Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Who knows? What's going to happen next? I mean, life is just a series of ifs, is it not? Look at the last 24 hours. If Elon Musk can challenge Mark Zuckerberg to a cage match (laughs) and the Facebook CEO can respond by tweeting, send me the location, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) If Corbin Carroll, the D-backs, can score from first on a ground ball single up the middle, what? And if a dentist can take a jackhammer to Ron Wolfley's front teeth, then he can still be on the air for this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, shortly going to be joined by Kyle Soley, the Cardinals rookie from ASU. Paul Calvis here, Ron Wolfley there. What's going on, Paulie? How you doing? Well, ding dong, the offseason is over. Wolf, next stop, training camp. And yeah, you know, Paulie, uh, it's interesting because the dew point is coming up right now, okay? The dew point. No, I don't know if you happen to notice, Paul. 53, as a matter of fact. 53. When it gets to 55 degrees, Paul, the dew point, three days in a row, it's truly monsoon season. Will that happen? When will that happen? I have no idea, but you can almost feel it right now. When I feel the dew point coming up here in the basin, Paulie, I immediately think of football and I think of training camp. Well, it can't come soon enough because all I see is in the extended forecast by Sunday, it's going to be 110 plus for an extended stretch. So here we go. Cardinals coming off the offseason, brand new head coach, brand new culture, dare we say, Jonathan Gannon. So before we commence with what we observed and heard from the Cardinals here in 2023, the Cardinals new head coach was asked, where does the team stand exactly after minicamp? At a point there in the offseason, it felt like we were moving fast on a lot of things, a lot of different balls in the air, but I uh, really like where we are as far as where we are right now at the end of minicamp, and uh, a lot of work to be done this summer, but I think that we set a good foundation for when we come back here. You know, it's going to be it's gonna be ratcheted up just a tad. Two words we've heard plenty of, Wolf, and it's a favorite phrase of Jonathan Gannon, winning behavior. It either is or it isn't, and He's trying to check those boxes of accountability, attention to detail, all-out effort all the time. These are all things you can control. We have no idea what's going to happen in camp. We have no idea what's going to happen this season. But guess what? The things you can control, he's been very much in favor of trying to set, once again, that winning behavior, no matter what the Cardinals are doing at any point in the process. 
That's exactly right, Polly. And when you're talking about behavior as well, you're talking about behavior as it relates to culture and what your culture is. I know it's an overused term, Polly. It's an overused word, but it's so legit. It's something that is so integral to the success of a professional sports team in particular because money changes the entire dynamic. Culture is so important because it says what we do, and it also says how we do it. See, that's where your behavior comes into play. It's what we do and how we do it. How are you going to behave under those two conditions? This is why this offseason was so important to JG, because he's trying to lay the foundation of what they do and how they're going to do it for training camp coming up. And I'll give you a real-life example. You tell me if this is on point or not, because Craig Real and myself, we were going through some of – these stats regarding penalties over the last three years. 2020, the Cardinals were the most penalized team, right? They had the most false starts. Last year, third most penalized team, but the most accepted penalties against the Cardinals in the NFL, and they led the NFL in pre-snap penalties, including 25 false starts, which was number two. See, to me, that's controllable. To me, that is culture. To me, that is attention to detail and, and when we've heard the stories, and I'm going to ask Kyle Soley about this a little bit later, has Jonathan Gannon held you accountable yet? Because how did the offseason start? With yeah. the, owner, the owner instigating vast change through the organization, both the head coach and the GM, and telling the media, we have an accountability issue. And that's where this offseason started. And guess what? I think that's the path they've tried to go down more than anything as they head into camp. And you know what, Polly, honestly, just to to continue to harp on this a little bit here, but it's so important, once again, when I talk about what we do and how we do it, think of the example of Zayvon Collins, who said he brought food into a meeting, right? And J.G. was like, nope, that's not going to work. Get that out of here right now. Okay, that, that right there is, okay, what do we do? Well, we meet. Maybe it's the first thing they do as a team every morning. I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm just saying, hypothetically, maybe that's what they do. They meet. That's the first thing. That's what you do. When you come into the facility building, you're going to have an 8 o'clock meeting. That's what you do first. And how you do it, don't you dare bring anything to drink or anything to eat inside that meeting. That is the discipline. That's where discipline, team discipline starts, Paulie. And if you're talking about team discipline, you're really talking about what? Individuals. You're talking about individual player discipline. It starts with one, then it goes to two, and then four. You do the math, Paul. No math. That's my hashtag that I live by. But I will say this, that, you know, that example there was Zayvon Collins. Hey, thou shalt not multitask because what are you doing? That means you're not fully focused on what Jonathan Gannon is talking about. So I think there is cause and effect there. There is a message sent and, and it is applicable to when the little things are big things in the NFL and those little things can cost you games. So there's that. And by the way, Zayvon Collins, I'll, I'll tell you this much, towards the end of camp, the end of minicamp, and you had two players say, and Dennis Gardeck, and I'll quote him, he'll be a dominant outside backer, talking about Zayvon Collins. And then Josh Woods told Jew Wolf on 98.7 that Zayvon Collins is, quote, going to be an amazing player in this league. That raised a couple <laughs> eyebrows. Have we, been, have we missed a storyline in Zayvon Collins? Because if you're talking about position groups and where they could add to the roster – Obviously, Edge is right up there. 
I'd say D-line is up there, cornerback is up there, maybe center, tight end. What's your gut feeling? Do you think Monty Austin Ford, is this still a work in progress and to what degree? Yeah, no, it is a work in progress right now. I think we're going to have a lot of veteran signings right before camp. Now, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. But, Paulie, I just want to go back to what you were saying about Zayvon Collins and Zayvon Collins being on the edge once again. If you were to look at Zayvon Collins, where would you guess he was playing in the NFL? Yeah, at almost 6'5", 260. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say he's defensive end or an outside linebacker. Yes. That's exactly right, Paulie. That's what everybody would say. Anyone who knows the NFL, you'd look at a body, you'd look at a type like Zayvon Collins, and you'd say, that guy's playing on the edge. It was an anomaly that he was a Mike linebacker. When you think about it, you just don't get a lot of tall inside Mike linebackers. Now, Brian Erlacher was a big, tall Mike linebacker, okay? Jack Lambert. You can go all the way, go all the way back to Jack Lambert. And the Pittsburgh Steelers that were winning Super Bowls, he was he was a complete freak anomaly at 6'4 for an inside linebacker right now. But you don't see a lot of them. They're typically lower to the ground. And that's because you don't want to have somebody that's easy to get under as your Mike linebacker when you're 6'5 as tall as Zayvon Collins. Now all of a sudden he's going to be out on the edge where his skill set I think really, really benefits him. Now, can he learn the technique soon enough, Paulie, to really make a difference on the edge? We're going to see. And look, I can give you all these storylines and I can name names and position groups, but it always comes back to quarterback. So the number one storyline going into camp is going to be number one himself. And Jonathan Gannon, before kicking off a quick summer vacation, was asked about the outlook for Kyler Murray. We'll see. Long way to go. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's five or six weeks until we start, I think, or five and a half or whatever it is. But we'll take it day by day, and he's doing a good job improving his game every day in the training room, in the meeting rooms. He's out there. He's another one like Buddha. He asks a lot of questions, which is good. He's engaged. And look, we don't know. That's the honest answer. Could he be back right away in September? Sure. Could he be back in October? Absolutely. We just don't know. What we do know is when he gets back, Wolf, This offense is going to look a lot different than the scheme he just ran the last four years. There's no doubt about it, Paulie. And that's why, once again, in a gross simplification of the truth, you're looking at a year that most people believe is going to be a rebuilding year for the Arizona Cardinals. Who knows? We've seen Brian Dable, of course, have great success with the New York Giants during a rebuild, still getting him into the postseason. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that look at the Arizona Cardinals and think they're going to win 12 games. 10 games get into the postseason. I don't think there's a lot of analysts that are out there that look at the Arizona Cardinals and think they're going to win a lot. But what they are going to do is start building this team from the ground up once again. And this, this to me is so important for Kyler Murray that he learns how to play from under center. I've talked about it for a long, long time, Paulie. He's got to evolve that part of his game. Can he do it? Can he do it? That's what this season is really going to be about in a gross simplification of the truth. Cole McCoy, when asked about the offense just a couple weeks ago, said, quote, it's all new. Everybody has gone back to school. So, yeah, that piqued our curiosity. There's, there's no question about that. 
Hey, it's Season 6, Episode 4 of Cardinals Flight Plan, available now on the Cardinals YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Go behind the scenes with Paris Johnson at the draft. Monty Osiford in the war room. That's worth the price of admission alone. The Cardinals rookies at a D-backs game and more. YouTube.com slash azcardinals. All right, Kyle Soley, rookie linebacker at ASU, Scottsdale guy. What does it mean to play for the hometown team? That is next in the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Fake by Martinez. Now throws across the middle. Intercepted. Kyle Soley caught that one just off the turf. And Soley, the Sun Devils senior captain, picks up the interception, the first of the year for the Arizona State defense. The unmistakable voice of ASU Athletics, Tim Healy. And that's what a three-time team captain at ASU sounds like. I mean, you talk about all Arizona. From first team All-State at Saguaro High School, to ASU's leading tackler each of the last two years, to Arizona Cardinals rookie, who joins us now on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We say good evening. Kyle Soley is in studio and is rocking some Cardinals gear. Kyle, how are we doing? And, and how did it to. feel? How did it feel to, to put that on for the first time? Yeah, it was great. I think I said, you know, before, it was a surreal moment to put on the uh, Cardinal red. Growing up as a kid, you know, I was obviously a fan. Um, hometown guy through and through I love all the hometown sports teams so when I got to put on the cardinal red in that jersey it was a surreal moment and you know once you step on the grass just right back to work so it's a great opportunity I'm excited and and your family was emotional as well I remember you mentioned in that absolutely absolutely you know they they love that I'm right down the street they get to come to the practices you know hopefully close to the games and uh it's just, a, like I said, a dream come true, and it's a real moment for everyone in my family. And, you know, if you're a hometown kid, you know, what's better than playing for the hometown team? You know what was surreal for the media was when we realized you were nine when the Cardinals made the Super Bowl run. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a reality check for a lot of us around here. Us middle-aged guys. <laughs> so, but What do you remember from the Super Bowl run, and, and, and who was your guy? Did you have a favorite player back then? My favorite player was Fitzgerald for sure. Um, and honestly, the memories from that game was just heart-wrenching, I cannot lie. I was actually watching it with my family at another family who was a Steelers fan's oh, house. So no. it was one of those, like, everyone's cheering. I'm, like, heartbroken <laughs> at James Harrison running back, you know. Right. An interception, 100 yards. But, you know, those memories stick with me forever. And <laughs> Did you ever ask your folks later, wait a minute, why did we watch Super Bowl Forty Three at the home of a Steelers family? <laughs> <laughs> what was up with that? I, sh- I should have ran that question by them in, in the first place, right. but I think at that moment I was just thinking about the free food uh, and let's, let's, that's right. Let's get it. That's right. The chips and salsa was good. So uh-huh. you know, I mean, uh, so so let me ask you this: you, you talked about okay, your hometown team. It's surreal. Your family's emotional, but then not only that, but you got the call from the Cardinals from your position coach at ASU previously, mm-hmm. Rob Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, great relationship with him. Obviously, was with him the last, I believe, it's three three to four years at Arizona State. Um, had a great relationship with him. You know, we worked closely together. So getting the call from him was actually a really special moment for me. And, and the connection also goes to the local pro day, mm-hmm. where he was already a member of the Cardinals staff. In fact, defensive coordinator Nick Rollis was talking about the benefit of that. With Kyle at linebacker, um, we had the privilege of he was here at the local pro day. And so it was really good to be able to, to see him in person and work with him. You can't undervalue that ability, that interaction of when you're on the field, right? And so 
not only did we get to see the skill set, the movement skills, um, but we also got to see kind of the leadership and the work ethic. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the whole draft process, right? It's inaccurate at best. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, the 49ers right now have the number three pick overall at quarterback and Trey Lance, but they're starting the last pick in the draft last year, Brock Purdy, okay? So there's a, there's a high degree of difficulty in trying to forecast. What do you think Rob Rodriguez in particular knows about your game that maybe the 31 other teams just can't because they never coached you before? Well, he's seen me work, like, you know, Coach Rollis said. And I think, you know, when you see me work, it's, it, it stands out. Um, for me, that that opportunity was just important that they got to see, you know, like they said, the skill set on the field and just how I am around my teammates. Um, I'm the type of guy, I'm not going to be loud and flashy, but I like to get the work in. You know, I, I think that's what separates myself, and I enjoy being around my teammates and my guys, and I'll, I'm willing to do whatever I can to help the team win, and I think that's most important. Cardinals rookie Kyle Soley is our guest here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Inside linebacker, the position itself, how would you describe it? To me, it's like you're at the epicenter of, of all the chaos, right? It, it's almost like, like a game of paintball, right? They say go, and it's just mayhem everywhere. That, that's what I think of when I watch from the sideline and I see inside linebacker. You have to be versatile. You have to have a high football IQ. Um, I think people often forget it's the quarterback of the defense. You've got to be smart. And, uh, you know, you got to, one, get your guys up front of line, and you've got to know what's going on in the back end with the DB. So you're kind of that middle, that middle point, that mesh point you know, between the defense, and you kind of wear the cap. You, you, like I said, quarterback of the defense, you've got to know everything that's going on, and you must be versatile, and you've got to have a hard nose for the football. Because all these talent evaluators, they, they want to measure what they can measure, right? Mm-hmm. Your speed and all these three cone and all that. But how many times do you make a play just based on your brain? I would say probably more times than not. It allows you to get the first step. And if you can anticipate plays, that'll help you, you know, jump a snap, uh, maybe jump a route. There's a lot of different things that I can help you with. And that just comes with film study and, like I said, football IQ. And I realize no one's in pads, all right? And there's, mm-hmm. there's no full contact, full speed football yet. But what have you picked up just watching Kaiser White, for example, a veteran in the Mike linebacker? Just how to go about your business as a professional. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for me. Uh, how to go out and work every day and work at the highest level and just be efficient with your work. And, you know, it's a great, great guy to look after, a great person to model your game after. And everything I can do to learn from Kaiser, it's been, it's been a great opportunity for me. As you got older and you're here in, in the Valley, which inside linebackers did you admire or follow? Because when I see 58 on an inside linebacker, I can't help thinking about Carlos Dansby. He was a great one. <laughs> he was. I will say. Yeah. You know, I – I watched a lot of a lot of games with him at linebacker wearing that fifty eight, and uh, I'll be, I'll be sure to you know wear that with pride and, and you know thinking about him. But I would say Luke Keekley was a big big one, mm. and then also my previous you know linebacker coach at Arizona State Antonio Pierce. Watched a lot of his tape growing up, so those are those are yeah. some guys I modeled my yeah. game after. Those guys could play, no doubt about it. So has Jonathan Gannon held you accountable yet? And I bring that up because Zaven told a story. He walks into the first team meeting. He's got his little bowl of eggs. He's eating his breakfast, and then he got put on blast for multitasking. Uh, we've had other guys. We had Keontae Ingram in here last week saying, oh, yeah, JG's yelled at me a couple of times and you know, or tested me. How about you? How's that gone so far? Yeah, I've definitely been tested. I think it was uh, the second meeting we had, and you know, he just brought up something in the playbook and kind of caught me on the spot. Um, in the moment, it, he kind of got me. And I'm not going to lie, I, it was a learning moment for me, kind of one of those rookie moments, like always being on your toes, and I'll never forget it. So he's, he definitely got me. What does that do to the vibe in a team meeting when 
everyone has to be on point, right? Yeah, I think it just keeps everyone on their toes, and it, you 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 understand. You know, you're in a professional environment. You're at work. Uh, when you're in the building, it's it's time to go. And I I appreciate that aspect from him, and you know, it's it's a good thing for rookies to to learn quickly. How often have you heard the two words winning behavior from Jonathan Gannon? Because I know there's not a ton you can accomplish this time of year, but it really seems like he's got a few checkpoints in terms of establishing a culture in this building. I've heard it from him quite a bit, but honestly, I think that's the best way to describe what he wants, winning behavior. And I think, you know, I've never heard that from a coach before, but I think that's the the correct term for it. You know, there's certain things, little details that all add up to becoming winning behavior and um, that's something I'll take with me probably for the rest of my life and I, I appreciate that point by him. Kyle Soley is our guest Cardinals rookie inside linebacker so next stop is Cardinals training camp mm-hmm. then the preseason games what are you most curious to find out about the NFL game itself once the full pads go on? I'm, I'm curious to test the physicality you know at playing linebacker it's obviously a physical position when we're running around with jerseys and helmets, you can't really feel that physicality yet. So once we put the pads on, I'm really curious to see how that is. And, you know, just, just play football. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And I'm, I'm just excited to get out there on the grass and play football. What do you hope you've shown the coaches so far? Versatility. Uh, I hope that I showed I, I do have football IQ and I can manage the huddle. Um, playing Mike linebacker, it's important to manage the huddle and be able to make the correct checks and uh, be on your toes at all times. Because you know, if a team wants to go hurry up, you got to be ready and get your guys uh, lined up. Because you know, you're responsible for ten other teammates, so that's important. When you say versatility, are you talking about playing the mic, playing the will, or are you talking run versus pass and being a three down backer? Run versus pass, ability to you know cover down outside the box, play in the box. You know, just be versatile on the field. Don't allow teams to kind of iso you one on one. What's your confidence level like right now? Have you seen enough to know, okay, I can hang in this league? I don't think I've seen enough. You know, I still have a lot to learn. Um, and every day I try to keep that mindset. And, I, you know, we haven't played a full game yet, so I, I don't even think I'm near, you know, to the point where like, oh, okay, I, I feel like I'm, I made it. Um, so just every day being a learner and just trying to do the best I can to get better. And I think that's most important. How about this playbook? If there was a game tomorrow, could you call this defense? I feel confident in that. I do feel really confident. And you did that your last two or three years at ASU? Honestly, four. The last four years. Last four years for sure. Because I'm seeing here you played 53 games over five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's almost exactly, for example, what a Brock Purdy played, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could say that. I I mean, there's got to be a level of preparation that you feel that maybe a lot of rookies don't. You could say that. Um, Honestly, my mindset just going into everything – it's just always stemmed from, you know, what I learned in college in terms of just know every position. Because if you know every position, you're going to feel more comfortable out there and you're going to be able to not only help yourself, but help your teammates if they, you know, once the bullets start flying. So um, I try to take that mindset every day when I go come into work and just grow from that. So players, no players. Kyle Soley is our guest, Cardinals rookie. When you watch either side of the ball, is there a certain player who stands out? You're like, man. That guy's an NFL dude. That guy has skills. Is there anybody that's really stood out to you? I would say Hollywood Brown with his quickness and his his quick twitch. That's one guy for sure. I would also say Michael Wilson, the, the rookie. Um, he's been making plays in practice that, mm. you know, I'm saying, you know, mm. he's catching my eye and I, I'm tipping my cap to him. So, But I think once we put the pads on, it's going to start. You know, the real players will show up then. 
you're, as an Arizona guy, when you heard the rookies like in early May say, man, it's hot out here, did you laugh? Like laugh and knowing laugh? Like, oh, man, you guys have no idea. <laughs> I, try, I try my best to warn them. You know, I tell them, listen, you can't overhydrate here. It's not possible. So just make sure if you think yep. you're drinking enough, you're having a little yep. bit more. It's good. Well, look, it's been an introduction to the NFL. You've also had some field trips, right? You, the, the bowling, mm-hmm. you had the go-karts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. we, we've had some fun, and uh, <laughs> we've also got to see other people's skill set off the field. So. <laughs> right. We look forward to it, Kyle. Next stop, training camp. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Back right after this on the Big Red Rage. Dalton on first down. Fires over the middle. The ball is tipped into the air and it's picked off at the 30-yard line. Running left to the 20. Marco Wilson to the 10. He high steps and then he does a flip into the end zone for the touchdown. Marco Wilson with a pick six and the Cardinals take the lead. 20 to 14. Boy, did you see Marco Wilson elevate on that? (laughs) Dude, that touchdown flip. What was kind of funny is they're showing the camera angle of Andy Dalton being upset, and in the background, you can see Wilson launching into the air like it's just part of the background. It looks quite humorous. That was an all-time meme, no doubt about it. You guys reacting in real time. Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, it's a Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Special thanks, Kyle Soley, Cardinals rookie linebacker. He has been held accountable by Jonathan Gannon. Imagine that. So that was interesting. But, Wolf, if I – if you had to give me one memory, something that's really just indelible in your memory bank from last season, wouldn't it have to be that TV low-angle shot of Andy Dalton after he threw the pick six and then behind him is an airborne Marco Wilson vaulting into the end zone? Polly, there's no doubt about it. It's one of the best. It was turned into a meme. Yes. It was turned into a meme. And oh, it yeah. was just the best one that I think I've ever seen. The look on Andy Dalton's face walking off with the flipping Marco Wilson behind him. Yeah. Man, you, you just can't make that up, Paul. That was so yeah. good. Just stupid athleticism by Marco Wilson. You realize you're in the NFL when you see something like that, right? Not just the play, but the finish. So Jonathan Gannon, speaking of the Cardinals' new head coach, uh, he has a lot of history coaching defensive backs. And one of the big questions right now, what does that cornerback depth chart look like? We figure Marco Wilson is CB1. We don't know for sure. As for expectations of the position group, here's the head coach. We ask a lot of our corners, you know, with the different coverage structures that we play and things like that, like the days of having a corner that doesn't know what's going on, that's not here. No, you got to prove you can be trusted, especially as a cornerback, because a blown coverage, guess what? It's not like a defensive lineman maybe blowing an assignment and there's a big hole in the B-gap. No, you blow an assignment as a corner, and guess what? It's most likely six points. So, A, you have to be trusted by the coaches, and then, B, guess what? You're going to have to show them you can play. So how do you read the room, that cornerback room, as we go into camp, Wolf? Yeah, you know what, Polly? I think it does. It all starts with Marco Wilson, of course. And this guy, I, I really do believe he's going to take a huge step forward. A couple of seasons now, 
And I remember going into training camp, last training camp, the coaching staff was looking at Marco Wilson with a jaundice eye. They were waiting for him to actually make that leap, take that next step forward. And I think he did ultimately during that season. Marco Wilson's got good size. He's 5'11". It's not like Marco Wilson is a 5'9 corner out there. He's 5'11". He's got good size. The athleticism is there. He's got everything you need to be a very, very good corner in this league, Paulie. That's why I think it's important Marco Wilson, from day one of training camp, takes that next step forward and truly does become CB1. And you know what? That's a great recollection because you're right. By the end of camp, it was Byron Murphy 1, Antonio Hamilton 2. Yes. Antonio Hamilton had the tragic cooking accident where he poured hot grease on his feet and he missed the first month of the season. So Marco Wilson, as a default starter, really got those reps early. And to your point, he made progress throughout the season. But Antonio Hamilton is back on this roster. A sobering moment for Antonio, he shared with the media, when he realized he's older than his defensive coordinator. He's 31. Nick Rallis is about to turn 30. And speaking of coaching, uh, here's Antonio Hamilton, the veteran corner. It's a little different, but they have such a great understanding of it, and I think that they can tell you what it is, the reason why we're doing it, and just to give you that full-fledged understanding of just not running cover three, like you understand the principles of why we're running and doing it like this. A lot of those guys (laughs) in that defensive backfield, Wolf, talking about how different it is. You know, Jalen Thompson said – in some ways, actually, they're going to be allowed to play a little more free than under Vance Joseph, which I, I found intriguing. He didn't really define it exactly, but I do think this coaching staff on both sides of the ball is going to try and simplify things a little bit, at least out of the gate. Well, it's interesting because when you listen to J.G. and what he said right there, he's talking about corner. It's not a position any longer that you can just put somebody out there that has great athleticism. It used to be a situation where – you know, a, a guy, and I'm just being as open and, and transparent as I can here, but it used to be a situation to stick a guy out there. You really didn't have to know a whole lot of what you were doing. It was basically cover the guy in front of you right right there. You got him in man cover. We're playing an awful lot of man. Cover him in man. That's your job. That's your assignment right there. You've got the number one receiver. Depending on the formation, of course, and depending on the personnel grouping, you've got the number one receiver. Cover him. That's what you do right there. It's not like that anymore, and it's not a surprise with all the advanced schemes that the NFL have gone to now and what they're running. It's not like they've got brand-new schemes, Paul. You heard him mention cover three right there. That's three deep, four underneath, rush four. That has really taken over the National Football League. The, mm-hmm. the, it's, it's incredible to see the way that it has taken over, and yet everyone's got their own rules as to how and why you jump a route or jump a receiver based on that cover three scheme. See, that's something that Bill Belichick has done for years. Cover two, Paulie, everybody runs cover two. You got two safeties high. You got five underneath. You rush four right there. Everybody runs it. What makes it different is what you tell the guys that are in the zone rooms what they should be looking for, and how they react to what they're looking for. That's what makes it different. And Bill Belichick was a master at making his cover two different from somebody else's cover two. Well, the same thing, I think, is going to apply here. The Cardinals are going to play man cover. There's no doubt about that. But this cover three scheme as well is a big part of what they do. Now, how you teach it, 
That's JG. His fingerprints are all over that. And ultimately, who plays it in that secondary? Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Christian Matthew, the seventh rounder last year. A couple of veteran journeymen, Nate Hairston, Rashad Fenton, a couple of rookies, Keytrell Clark, who was impressed so far. You figure Garrett Williams, the third rounder, when he's back from the knee injury, he'll be in the mix. But you're right. You get to week one against Washington, for example. Are you sending Marco Wilson to shadow and travel with Pro Bowl receiver Terry McLaurin? Don't know. Not exactly sure. They'll right. probably mix up coverage is what a lot of teams do. But but Jonathan Gannon, again, has a lot of experience with this position group, and he was just asked, all right, what do the cornerbacks need to have in your defense? So they got to be smart, um, know what's going on, and know why calls are being called, where's the stress and the strength of each call, and then be able to line up and deny the ball on the highway, which that's a lonely world out there. A couple weeks ago, Wolf, <laughs> me and you were able to uh, talk to Monty Asifor, new Cardinals GM, and we asked him about a couple position groups where maybe there's a lot to be determined. Cornerback might be atop that power pole. And he said, well, look, um, we're throwing numbers at it right now. And sure enough, I just counted it up. There are a dozen cornerbacks on the roster coming out of mandatory minicamp. So, man, the competition is on. And the back end of that room could be anybody at this point. Yeah, Paulie. You know what's also interesting? There are some corners that are still out there as free agents, Paul. <laughs> there are some guys that are still Marcus Peters. Oh. Does that pique your interest right So there? you've been doing some homework. You've been looking at who's out there. Okay. Well, I, I, I still, Paul, I still have this feeling. Bryce Callahan is also out there. Now, I understand that he's 31 years old. I understand Marcus Peters is 30 years old. But these are guys that were starters in the National Football League. And injuries have really beat down Bryce Callahan a little bit right here. And you could say the same for Marcus Peters. But I think their experience would make them very, very appealing. And I think you could also get them at a very good rate. You could get them, and it wouldn't break the bank. And that would be something that I would keep my antenna open to. Do I think the Arizona Cardinals need to go out and get these guys? No, I don't think they need to do that. But once again... I think that this roster is going to be very, very fluid, and I also think J.G. is going to open the entire roster up to competition. You know, the other thing that Monty Asavort told us was that he's maybe not as apt to sign someone right before camp or early in camp as to wait for the waiver claims at the end of NFL training camps where teams set their final 53 and some experienced corners might hit the open market. Now, it might be one of those guys you just cited, and that that could be logical. Here's the other thing. You have a joint practice set, in fact, two of them against the Vikings. So if you get a sense of your corners against the Vikings receivers led by Justin Jefferson, you go, you know what? We need a need. We we have a need. We, We need some experience in here. And by the way, the Minnesota Vikings announced that on August 23rd, 24th, the two joint practices, those are going to be open to the public. So, Wolf, it is like so on, right? Everybody's going to be watching Cardinals and Vikings in a joint practice. Oh, my goodness, right there. So I'm thinking the the 23rd is a Wednesday, is it not? Yep. Okay, okay, the 23rd, Paulie, that's going to be the greasy one. That's going to be the one right there that I, unless I miss my guess here, that is going to be a Wednesday. That probably is going to be full pads, full gear right there. If you are um, somebody who lives up there in Minnesota, if you are somebody that loves the NFL, if you want to take a summer trip, okay, if you are living here in Arizona and you want to take a summer trip, I would say go up to Minnesota and watch that practice because that's going to be the physical one. That's going to be the greasy one. And what makes it even better 
with the news you just said, it's going to be open to the public, and that means everybody's going to be watching every individual drill, not just the guys in your room, not just the guys that are at your position, but everybody is going to be watching your one-on-one as you're trying to beat a corner on a slant. Hopefully we'll be coming from Larry's place, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's Lake House. Hopefully we'll be hanging out at Larry's. We'll just cruise right over to the joint practice. Yeah, we'll see. By the way, Cardinals camp, first open practice July 27th, first padded practice July 31st. That should be like an official state holiday. The first padded practice July 31st. Everybody gets the afternoon off. Hey, team up with the Cardinals and State Farm by donating a backpack filled with school supplies for students in need in the Tempe Elementary School District. Support the virtual back-to-school drive from now through June 23rd. That's azcardinals.com slash back-to-school. azcardinals.com slash back, the number two, school. All right, we'll come back and talk about an all-timer in Cardinals history when we return on the Big Red Rage. This is everything that you hoped it was going to be. You look out here at University of Phoenix Stadium and just see the passion and to feel the energy that is in this building right now. This is what playoff football is all about. The beginning of the year, this is what everybody signs up for. I mean, 16 regular season games with the promise to get to the playoffs, and it's just one of those things that, I mean, you suck it up, you play off adrenaline, and uh, hopefully we'll be sitting on a parade float in downtown Phoenix. That is Clark Hagan's. Heck of a player, all-time personality in recent Cardinals history. A guy who knew a thing or two about the NFL postseason, won a ring 2005 with the Pittsburgh Steelers when he started opposite his college teammate at Colorado State, Joey Porter, for the Steelers. Think Mm. about that. And then think about the news we received this week as we wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And I know I speak for both of us when we were shocked to learn that Clark Hagans, that we're now speaking of him in the past tense. He has passed away, age 46. There was no cause of death given. And it was a 13-year career. And so many memories, right, the four seasons he spent with the Cardinals Wolf, including one edition of this show that honestly might have been the funniest top-to-bottom edition of the Big Red Rage ever. It was 2008, early that season with Bertrand Berry and Clark Hagans. <laughs> Was was so hilarious during that show and so vibrant as a personality. I mean, the the energy was just uh, just palpable every time you ran into him. No, no doubt about it, Paulie. It truly was who Clark Hagen's was and what he was all about. And you say memories, Paulie. I, I think of man. I think of what a good football player he was. Not only a funny individual and a very smart guy but a very good football player. He didn't lose a lot of physical battles on the football field. He didn't. And those that he he did lose, he he walked through for the most part. He was very, very tough, very resilient. He enjoyed the physicality of the game as well. And just a smart guy overall. Clark Hagens, it's hard for me, Paulie. I know it is for you as well to imagine him no longer with us at the age of 46. We're going to go back into the archives, and here's an episode of Wired, All Access. He was wearing a microphone. It was against Seattle. It was 2009. I think you can really hear how Clark Higgins was equal parts intense and equal parts entertaining. I'm going to have me some fun. It's all about playing, tackling, hitting people, just being loud and crazy. Hey, 
Let's go. You just got to be ready always. Hasselbeck takes five-step drop. He's in trouble, and the ball comes out as he got sacked, and the Cardinals have it. Oh, Robinson falls on it at oh, the game. 23. Oh, game! Oh, no! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Well, I just came off the corner, and um, Hasselbeck held the ball, and I saw, um, I think it was Calais fall, so I tried to just go airborne do the Superfly Jimmy Snuka old school WWE. Oh, little children. We're playing against little children. We're fast. Everybody's athletic and um, we just like to fly around to the ball. Nowhere. Nowhere. Keep pushing. Let's wreak havoc and cause some turnovers, get some sacks, some interceptions. Oh no. Oh no. Let's go! Just keep playing like just wild frenzy and just have a lot of fun doing it. Ooh. You've been wired in to Clark Hayes. Just being down on the sideline during his career, I was fired up just watching Clark Higgins. He was in phenomenal shape. He used to crush Camelback. I mean, just he would beat the entire team up there when they'd have the rookies take that hike with old strength coach John Lott. And then his stories like the one he told on the Big Red Rage that one time, Wolf, about Halloween. He loved Halloween. Loved the candy, loved dressing up. Told the story in Pittsburgh. He got the cops called on him once because he, he dressed up in a real Spider-Man outfit and then started running and vaulting through people's backyards. <laughs> and they're like, who's this guy? You know, Paulie, it's, so, it's amazing you say that because Clark Hagens was all of 6'4". He, he was 6'4". He was 245 pounds, I think, Paulie, somewhere in there. But this guy had to have what? Five percent body oh, fat on unbelievable. him. So yeah. when you say when you say you know he loved Halloween, which he did, loved to dress up, loved doing it. But when you say Spider Man, he was in the Spider Man outfit. To me, it makes me laugh because Clark could have he he pulled that off. Oh yeah, six four, two hundred forty five pounds. He pulled that off because he didn't have a shred of fat on him. The 2008 year, by the way, he suffered that foot injury in mid-December, but he's still such a vocal leader as the Cardinals made that that Super Bowl run. He wound up his career 46-and-a-half career sacks, 13-year career, still the all-time sack leader in Colorado State history. Once again, Clark Hagens passes away at the age of 46, much too soon, and no cause of death has been given yet. We're going to go in the next three weeks, by the way, Wolf, into the Cardinals archives. We're going to have some special Cardinals folktales editions of the Big Red Rage. In order, we're going to have Thanks Coach, right? Dennis Green and the famous rant, Monday Night Meltdown. Legendary Locker, this is Can't Miss Radio. Pat Tillman, the story of Pat Tillman. And we've all seen the statue out at the stadium, but the Cardinals have another museum piece, and its locker, his locker was saved from the wrecking ball, literally. And that is inside Cardinals headquarters. We'll talk all about that. And then Miracle in the Desert, this is where the Cardinals knocked the Vikings from the playoffs. We all remember that. Uh, resulted in losing the number one pick in the 2004 draft. But all this Shakespearean tragedy of Miracle in the Desert and the Cardinals knocking the Vikings out of the playoffs the next three weeks on the Big Red Rage. No, oh, that sounds really, really good right there. Boy, the thanks, Coach. That is, <laughs> that's got, that's got my attention immediately right there, Pauline. You bring up... Tillman's locker that that right there saved by our own Jim Omohundro the best game day producer in the history of mankind and um it's incredible to hear that story I think a lot of people listening right now you want to hear that folktale because it specifically is 
hardcore history with the Arizona Cardinals, and it deals with Pat Tillman. And especially now being on the verge of training camp, because, Wolf, we were there when Pat Tillman was a seventh-round pick. Even he admitted that he thinks the Cardinals drafted him just for the marketing purposes because he was such a personality, such a celebrity, a star at Arizona State. He was the Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year. He was a media darling, right? And so he came out, and, man, he earned himself a spot out of the – I mean – he was a long shot to make that roster as a tweener. And not only did he make the roster, but he was an integral part of a team that ended up winning its first playoff game in nearly a half century. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, here's a guy that was poised to sign his second contract. Here's a guy that was succeeding at the NFL level, a guy that, um, yeah, didn't come in with a lot of fanfare. It was local, of course, because of ASU, but nationally didn't come in with a lot of fanfare and suddenly just became a legendary figure to the entire country, not just Arizona, but the entire country. And Pat Tillman, Paulie, we had the benefit of actually getting to know Mm. Pat Tillman a little bit, and it left an indelible mark on us both, I believe. No doubt. By the way, happy birthday today to Kurt Warner. It is his birthday. And and, and as we – one last thought I'm going to give you, Wolf, as we go into training camp 2023 – You know your former coach Bill Belichick and his famous phrase, no days off? Yes. I think by the time we're done with camp and we get the final 53, the phrase is going to be no allegiances. I'm real curious to see who makes this team and who doesn't make this team. Because you have new decision makers in the head coach Jonathan Gannon and the GM Monty Austin Ford. No allegiances. What does that mean once they get going on July 27th? Boy, that means to me, Polly, somebody can make a team and practice. Yeah. And how you practice. Interesting. Single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. Special thanks, as always, Kyle Soley, Cardinals rookie inside linebacker, Jim Omohundro, executive producer, Cody Fincher, technical director on Paul Calvi. See Ron Wolfley, you can now wear your cowboy hat for the next three weeks. <laughs> Although I will say Deion Sanders looks better in a cowboy hat than you. I'm sorry. I'm walking down rush. From- <laughs> That'll do it for the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Number one, Kyler Murray. You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.